Book Three, Chapter Two of *The Klansman*, an historical romance of the Ku Klux Klan by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Chapter Two: The Eyes of the Jungle. Elsie stood dreaming for a moment in the shadow of the arbor vitae, breathing the sensuous perfumed air and listening to the distant music of the falls her heart quivering in pity for the anguish of which she had just been witness. Again the spectral cry of the whippoorwill rang nearby, and she noted for the first time the curious cluck with which the bird punctuated each call. A sense of dim foreboding oppressed her. She wondered if the chatter of Marion about the girl in Nashville were only a child's guess or more. She laughed softly at the absurdity of the idea, never since she had first looked into ben cameron's face did she feel surer of the honesty and earnestness of his love than to-day in this quiet home of his native village it must be the queer call of the bird which appealed to superstitions she did not know were hidden within her being still dreaming under its spell she was startled at the tread of two men approaching the gate the taller more powerful-looking man put his hand on the latch and paused allow no white man to order you around remember you are a freeman and as good as any pale-face who walks this earth she recognized the voice of silas lynch ben cameron dare me to come bout de house said the other voice what did he say he say with his eyes battin' dis like lightning if i catch you hangin' round dis place again gus i'll jump on you and stomp the life out in you well you tell him that your name is augustus not gus and that the united states troops quartered in this town will be with him soon after the stomping begins you wear its uniform give the white trash in this town to understand that they are not even citizens of the nation as a sovereign voter you once their slave are not only their equal you are their master dad i will was the firm answer the negro to whom lynch spoke disappeared in the direction taken by marion and her mother and the figure of the handsome mulatto passed rapidly up the walk ascended the steps and knocked at the door elsie followed him my father is too much fatigued with his journey to be seen now you must call to-morrow she said the negro lifted his hat and bowed ah we are delighted to welcome you miss stoneman to our land your father asked me to call immediately on his arrival i have but obeyed his orders elsie shrank from the familiarity of his manner and the tones of authority and patronage with which he spoke he cannot be seen at this hour she answered shortly perhaps you will present my card then say that i am at his service and let him appoint the time at which i shall return she did not invite him in but with easy assurance he took his seat on the joggle-board beside the door and awaited her return against her urgent protest stoneman ordered lynch to be shown at once to his bedroom when the door was closed the old commoner without turning to greet his visitor or moving his position in bed asked are you following my instructions to the letter sir you are initiating the negroes into the league and teaching them the new catechism with remarkable success its secrecy and ritual appeal to them within six months we shall have the whole race under our control almost to a man almost to a man 
we find some so attached to their former masters that reason is impossible with them even threats and the promise of forty acres of land have no influence the old man snorted with contempt if anything could reconcile me to the satanic institution it is the character of the wretches who submit to it and kiss the hand that strikes after all a slave deserves to be a slave the man who is mean enough to wear chains ought to wear them you must teach 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 these black hounds to know they are men not brutes the old man paused a moment and his restless hands fumbled the cover your first task as i told you in the beginning is to teach every negro to stand erect in the presence of his former master and assert his manhood unless he does this the south will bristle with bayonets in vain the man who believes he is a dog is one the man who believes himself a king may become one stop this sniveling and sneaking round the back doors i can do nothing god almighty can do nothing for a coward fix this as the first law of your own life lift up your head the world is yours take it beat this into the skulls of your people if you do it with an axe teach them the military drill at once i'll see that washington sends the guns the state when under your control can furnish the powder it will surprise you to know the thoroughness with which this has been done already by the league said lynch the white master believed he could vote the negro as he worked him in the fields during the war the league with its blue flaming altar under the shadows of night has wrought a miracle the negro is the enemy of his former master and will be for all time for the present said the old man meditatively not a word to a living soul as to my connection with this work when the time is ripe i'll show my hand elsie entered protesting against her father's talking longer and showed lynch to the door he paused on the moonlit porch and tried to engage her in familiar talk she cut him short and he left reluctantly as he bowed his thick neck in pompous courtesy she caught with a shiver the odor of pomade on his black half-kinked hair he stopped on the lower step looked back with smiling insolence and gazed intently at her beauty the girl shrank from the gleam of the jungle in his eyes and hurried within she found her father sunk in a stupor her cry brought the young surgeon hurrying into the room and at the end of an hour he said to elsie and phil he has had a stroke of paralysis he may lie in mental darkness for months and then recover his heart action is perfect patience care and love will save him there is no cause for immediate alarm End of Book 3, Chapter 2